When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cardinals have signed a new shortstop. What do we think of the move, and what are the ramifications on the rest of the roster? Coming up on B-Shave Daily. What's going on, everyone, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shave Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. It is Monday, February 26, 2024. Late evening hours following another round of pickleball with a lot of the Cardinal media and wow, am I sore and going to be feeling it tomorrow, but you didn't come here to hear about pickleball. You came here to hear about Brandon Crawford, the newest Cardinal, at least we think right. Not officially as of this recording, but by the time you wake up on Tuesday and are listening to this B shape daily, it will probably be official as the wide expectation is that Brandon Crawford will be, if not already in that Cardinal clubhouse when we get there on Tuesday morning, he'll be on the way and the announcement forthcoming. Widely reported on Monday night, Cardinals signing Brandon Crawford to a major league contract, which is, I think, an interesting wrinkle into this during a week where we have seen a lot of the veteran infield class signed, some of them major league deals, some of them, though, minor league deals with invites to spring training with surely incentives and things of that nature that if a deal should turn into a big league contract closing in on opening day, that the the numbers will be different for those players, but the Cardinals committing at least reportedly to a 40 man roster spot and a 26 man roster spot as well for 37 year old veteran shortstop, Brandon Crawford, three-time gold glove winner, longtime San Francisco giant. This is going to be kind of a weird one because Like, I mean, this guy's been with the Giants his entire career, debuted in 2011 and has been with San Francisco all the way through, multiple-time world champion, three-time all-star, four gold gloves, has been, has made a career in San Francisco, and now he's 37 years old. The Giants, I I think what compelled this move from their perspective and, and why the ball finally got rolling on the Cardinals bringing him in, the Giants go get Nick Ahmed, to be sort of their utility backup shortstop kind of guy, basically cutting ties with Crawford at that point because this guy's basically filling Crawford's role in San Francisco. And a clean break was considered the best thing for the Giants, I think, because when you have a fan base that's invested in a guy, it's kind of like the Matt Carpenter thing in St. Louis, right? Like there's a lot of people who are so glad he's back because they love him and they love the time he spent with the Cardinals, but... Right now in 2024, there are people who are skeptical of the productivity that he'll be able to have. I think that would be the same vibe with San Francisco. Well, the San Francisco Giants don't have Matt Carpenter. The Cardinals do. And now the Cardinals have San Francisco's Matt Carpenter as well in Brandon Crawford. And the comparison offensively, I don't think is too far-fetched. Last year was, was a 194 average, I believe, for Brandon Crawford. I know he was below... 200. I'll, yeah, I'll make sure I get that right. 194 average of 587 OPS, which was the lowest OPS for Brandon Crawford since his 
rookie year in 2011 when he was at 584. So the offensive numbers certainly decline. Just going to kind of give you the stats off the top, and then we'll dig into it here on this episode of B-Shape Daily. Sort of why this move makes sense or a move like this one was something that made sense for the Cardinals and how it's not really as much about shortstop as it is the downstream ramifications. We'll talk a lot of Tommy Edmond because I think there are multiple ways that we can look at the way that this signing impacts what what we can expect or should expect from him this season. Make sure you subscribe to this channel. Brendan Schaefer, St. Louis Cardinals writer, youtube.com slash at bschaefer12, or you can subscribe to Bschaefer Daily on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Daily Cardinals Podcasts throughout the season. If you're just now finding out about it, would love for you to subscribe because we have lots of great content about the St. Louis Cardinals coming on this channel as we move forward into the season. But back on Brandon Crawford, not a great offensive year last year, and I'll be honest with you, defensively was not much better. I kind of finagled with the numbers to see, but defensive runs saved. Good defensive stat to get an idea for how a guy is performing relative to expectations above or below average in terms of um, the, the runs saved, the expectation on that. He didn't save runs. He sort of gave extra runs away last year of 72 qualifying position players. And by qualifying, I don't mean qualifying. I mean, I finagled with the numbers on fan graphs and just said 100 innings at shortstop. And that's all you need to qualify for my little statistic here. He, out of 72, he finished 70th among all the shortstops in baseball last year, which again, that's 100 innings. So it's not a great sample. You could play shortstop for two weeks and that would count. But 70th out of 72 with negative 14 on the defensive run saved. Only Tim Anderson and Ahmed Rosario were worse defensively, according to that defensive run saved statistic. So, like, I'll say it out front, the raw statistics of Brandon Crawford at age 37, not necessarily the most encouraging expectations. But we also know that the Cardinals have the guy that they hope to be their everyday shortstop, and it's not Brandon Crawford. Right, Mason Wynn, this is going to be a really important year for Mason Wynn. And I feel like a move like the Crawford move only further solidifies that because you realize, like, hey, the Cardinals with their backup spot are basically signing a guy who's been around the block. He's a veteran, but current day production is a little bit of a of an if. You know, it's not necessarily projected that he's going to suddenly turn back the clock and be great on the field. Another veteran, right? 37 years old, a multi-time world champion, has has been on a lot of unique and, and winning and interesting San Francisco Giants teams over the years. So those teams battling with the Cardinals, right? But in the present day, 2024, the numbers, at least last year, weren't good. And I think he battled some injuries, only played in 93 games, but also his statistics would tell you that maybe he shouldn't have been an everyday player anyway. So... I'll be really interested to see how much run Brandon Crawford gets. He's only ever played shortstop, so it's not necessarily like signing a utility guy for your bench, that utility infielder. Maybe the Cardinals will tell us tomorrow we think he can be that. But what it reminds me of off the jump is how at winter warm-up in 2023, January 2023, we heard a lot about how this year Paul DeYoung was going to be the utility infielder and he was going to move around the diamond to third and second as well as playing some shortstop. And Tommy Edmond would be the starting shortstop. That never happened. The moment that Paul DeYoung was healthy, he was back in the lineup, he played shortstop, and he never played anywhere else. Tommy Edmond was the one that was forced 
to bounce around and move to second base. Brandon Crawford, is it going to be a similar story because he's never played anywhere but shortstop? He's actually played one other position in the big leagues. It was pitcher. So he pitched, I don't know how many times, but at least once and played shortstop. And that's all he's really done for 13 years. So from that perspective, I'm still kind of giving you the negatives because I am going to get into the positives and I don't want anybody to accuse me of having been a homer with my take on this because my ultimate takeaway is like, all right, I can see why something like why I can see why they felt like something like this was needed. Lots of qualifiers in there because did I personally think it was needed? Not necessarily, but it's also dependent upon some of the answers and explanations that we get for why these other players on this roster aren't capable of playing shortstop. Because there are a couple of guys, two in particular that I can think of off the jump, that Look, if Brandon Crawford was a negative 14 defensive run saved, how much worse could Thomas Sejaci be than that? All right, and the explanation for why not Sejaci is very simple. He's a prospect, an up-and-comer, 21 years old. He should be playing every day, and Brandon Crawford's role is very much not that, right? So that's an easy one to kind of shoo away and dismiss. Like, Brendan, you're barking up the wrong tree. Another thing, though, that I do like about Sejaci, and I do think the Cardinals should play him in shortstop uh, this spring at some point to see if he can, you know, how they feel about him doing it. And if he's bad at it, then so be it. Then you don't move forward with that. But he's played it a little bit in the minors, and he's a right-handed bat. And right now, if you look at the Cardinals bench, they don't have that necessarily. Like, we know who the nine starters are going to be. And for now, let's we're going to get into Tommy Edmonds' health and, and his progression. We heard more from Ollie Marmel today about that, so we'll talk about that. And it is very relevant, of course, to what's going to happen to the opening day roster. But let's just for a moment assume that Edmund, as he's ramping up now, is able to, over the next few weeks, ramp up and get into game action in the Grapefruit League, which will then allow him to have time to make the 26-man roster, be ready to go physically. If that's the case, I'll roll through it real quick. Two through nine plus a DH. And then we'll talk about the bench because there's going to be 13 and 13. 13 position players, 13 pitchers. So on the position player side, it's pretty simple with the lineup. Going around the diamond, starting with catcher, Wilson Contreras, Paul Goldschmidt. I'm going to list Brendan Donovan as the second baseman and Gorman as the DH, but that's just for profiling purposes. It doesn't really functionally matter. But we'll go Donovan at, at, at the second base spot, Arenado at third, Mason win the shortstop, left to right in your outfield, Lars Newtbar, Tommy Edmond in center, Jordan Walker in right, and then as I mentioned, Gorman DH. So that's nine position players. You've got four for your bench. One of them we know is going to be Matt Carpenter. Now, Matt Carpenter did miss the game on Monday. He was scratched from the lineup. I don't believe this to be anything long-term. Ali Marmel basically said after, like, it's just one of those things where he's going to need a day, like a singular day. Today was that day. He came in, got hit by a pitch on the wrist on Saturday, Stayed in that game and hit a double thereafter, but then came out of the game for a pinch runner like veterans often do at the beginning of spring training. And then two days later today, they had him in the lineup, but then this morning, and Ollie said, oh, we scratched him way earlier this morning, just as like, a, all right, you're going to get one more day. Nobody bothered to tell anybody, so we were in the press box going, why is Alfonso Rivas batting? Not realizing that he had also been playing first base for a couple of innings. It's spring training for the... The, the reporter's eagle eyes as well, because I certainly did not notice I was kind of focused on some other things. But nevertheless, Matt Carpenter is going to be on that bench, if healthy, right? Left-handed bat. Keep this part in mind. 
elsewhere on your bench. Well, now we know Brandon Crawford, right? Because the Cardinals are signing him to a major league deal. They don't do this if he's going to not make the team. I just don't see the benefit of you. Could, I don't know how many of those veteran shortstop guys are out there anymore because a lot of them have already signed. Like that's what this week was. And maybe the Cardinals had circled the wagons around somebody else and he signed elsewhere, or maybe it's Brandon Crawford. They wanted all along. I'm sure we're probably not going to get that answer unless they tell it in a really convincing way that, Oh yeah, we really wanted Brandon Crawford, but you know, he was waiting out the giants. Maybe they'll tell us that. And we'll, I guess we'll find out, but he's a left-handed bat. Matt Carpenter's a left-handed bat. So nine in the starting lineup plus those two, that's 11. We only get to 13. We know Yvonne Herrera is the backup catcher. He's a right-handed bat, but he may be the only one on that bench, right? So he makes 12, and then you've got one spot left. Well, that's Dylan Carlson because he's he's your fourth outfielder. So, like, the bench is set, and the roster has no competition on the position player side. Like, I, I simply do not see any room for interpretation at all when it comes to the bench at this point barring an injury that puts somebody on the IL to begin the season, which absolutely could happen to Tommy Edmond. It could certainly happen to a guy like Carpenter, who's you know older in his career. I don't think it's from the wrist thing that's going on right now, to be clear. But there's a month before the season. A lot of things could go wrong. And that's not just true of Carpenter. Like It could go wrong for anybody. they got to get through spring camp healthy. So that's your 13. That does not... That's not a bench with a very appealing situation going on from the right side. Although they would like to use Yvonne Herrera, I think, and play him a lot. But remember last year, what happened so frequently when it came to the willingness to use a guy like Andrew Kisner or Wilson Contreras as a pinch hitter, whichever one didn't start, they really didn't like doing that. Other than that month where they had Trace Barrera just on scholarship, sitting around collecting a paycheck, not playing. The reason was... They wanted to use the the bat of both Kiz and, at the time, Wilson Contreras in their daily lineup. But they felt like they needed that coverage in case of a mid-game injury. It was terrible roster management, but that's what they did. Trace Pereira was on scholarship, and he just got to hang out. I would love to get to be the, the third-string catcher because, I mean, the guy just didn't play. He just flat-out was here for a month, and I think he had two plate appearances, if that. So... There's really not room to do that either. Pedro Pajes would be that guy, which I, I assume he'll be catching starting at Memphis for the majority of the of the campaign. Kiz is out of the, out of the picture, obviously. I don't think Pereira is in the organization anymore. I don't think he's down here at spring. So Pajes, who is on the 40-man roster because they protected him before the Rule 5 element back in November or whenever that was, December, he'll probably be the Memphis catcher. I don't think you can just stash a third catcher on the roster to be able to use Contreras or Herrera, whichever one sits that day, as your righty off the bench. I don't think you're going to be able to do that because you don't have the roster spots. You've got Carlson, you know, is going to be capable of batting right-handed, and he's good against lefties. That's kind of his preferred side, at least in terms of his production. And that's good. But otherwise, there's just not, I mean, maybe that's the plan. Maybe Carlson's like that bad off the bench. But you also think about, like, who's he going to pinch hit for against a lefty late? You know, have Carlson pinch hitting for Nolan Gorman? Or are you just going to have, and, and then, like, are you willing to then switch Edmund to the infield? 
you going to move over Mason Wynn from short to get Crawford in there at second or at shortstop? And then, like, I I really don't know. It, this roster, with the way the bench is constructed, my initial takeaway is, like, there is not a lot of good flexibility. There's not a lot of obvious puzzle maneuvers. And we'll Ollie Marmel will figure them out. Maybe I'm just not seeing them. But I think when you have so many left-handed bats, and it's also kind of like left-handed bats that you're not necessarily eager to use off the bench, but maybe that's okay. Right, like Matt Carpenter is a lefty bat off the bench for sure. Um, can take a walk for you, can get on base. I think that'll still be a strength of his game. I don't know that there's a strength of Brandon Crawford's game offensively in the year 2024, at least based on the, the stats last year. Like, he had a 194 average, a 273 on base, and a 314 slug. So he still hit a few home runs, seven homers, 11 doubles, had a triple, 320 plate appearances. Like, there's just not a lot going on there. I think Matt Carpenter, at least you're like, hey, if we just need a spark, get a base runner, a left-handed at bat against a righty, you know, Matt Carpenter could come in. But, like, who's he pinch hitting for? I think the good news about this Cardinal lineup is it's a really good one at full strength and full health. And we can argue about the order, and I'm sure we will over the next month before the season. But, like, it could be fun to think about going, and, and again, I'm going to left, right, left, right toward the top because I think that's what Ollie's going to do. But go like Donovan, Goldie, Newtbar, Arenado, Gorman. And you could go Gorman 5 or Contreras 5 and the other go 6 because eventually you're going to have two righties stacked against each other. So maybe you put Contreras 5, Gorman 6, protected almost by Walker batting 7th, and then the two speedsters toward the bottom. Edmund 8th, win 9. And then within the confines of like those two guys, the plan is just get in scoring position for Donovan or Newt Barr, whoever the leadoff is, right? Because you could have a situation for sure where they just kind of get the green light at the bottom of the order to say, hey, Edmund, if you get on base with a with a base knock, steal second. Mason, if you get on first with a walk or a base knock, whatever it is, steal second. Like runners in motion, hit and run. I think that can be kind of a really fun brand of baseball to the bottom of the lineup. And just wait until Victor Scott can be a part of that as well. I'm telling you, there is a world in which Cardinal baseball can can really have a good whitey ball flair to it within the next year or two uh, if, Vic, if Victor Scott can kind of make his way. He is a really exciting base runner. Ollie Marmel said he still thinks there's room to grow in terms of him just kind of dialing it in on learning this count, this pitcher tendency, all those things. The speed is going to take him far, but this was something I asked Ollie about this morning, and I can find the answer if people really want to hear it. But I think Victor Scott's going to be another one that's just really, really fun to watch when you talk about on the bases. But, like, the Cardinal lineup is really, really interesting, and then there's not a lot of guys that you would pinch hit for. I would say one through seven, like, Jordan Walker, probably batting seventh. I don't think you're looking to take him out of the game maybe for defense late, you know, a situation where you sub Carlson and he's he's coming in for right field. And, yes, I like Carlson in center field, but I think Tommy's going to play center. And that's, he's going to stay in center. And that's another thing that the Brandon Crawford deal allows, which I am going to get to. I want to make sure we cover Tommy Edmonds' health before we get to that, though. But I just wanted to kind of round out the conversation about the bench first because I really do feel like this bench is not the most efficient, right? If there's four guys on it and in the world of a DH, maybe that's okay because it's like old-school American League baseball where you just don't really need to pinch it that much. You but But in a game where... A modern game where the Cardinals certainly last year tried so hard to maximize matchups where they could. 
I think having a Brandon Crawford and a Matt Carpenter on your same bench of four is going to make it really difficult to to do that because it's almost like two break glass in case of emergency type of players for your bench, and they're both left-handed hitters. So let me know what you think about that, Cardinals fans. Do you see what I see with maybe the lack of efficiency on the bench? And then your one powerful right-handed hitter, Yvonne Herrera, who against lefties very well may be starting a decent amount, and that'll add another lefty to your bench, either Gorman or you know perhaps Donovan. I could see certainly Yvonne Herrera being in the lineup with maybe like a Wilson Contreras DH against lefties to try and stack another righty in that lineup, but that's going to leave a lot of lefties on your bench, which is fine. Gorman can, if he's taking a day off at that point, Gorman comes in, a humongous pinch hit threat. I mean, to be able to line up Gorman against any righty reliever that you choose is a really, really nice treat. And we saw the Cardinals be able to do that at times last year where he would, you know, come off the bench and do something special because they could line up the matchup the way they wanted. So like, and there's going to be plenty of days where Arenado's sitting out and they've got to sort of figure it out. That's another thing though. Like, I guess the more I think about it, you're you're really reliant upon Brendan Donovan to just be able to pick up the slack at all these positions, third base, left field, second base, maybe even shortstop a little bit, but I think that's mostly why Brandon Crawford's there. But like, I guess you're really picking a picking your spots of when Mason Wynn's going to be absent because you want to make it when Brandon Crawford can have a good matchup offensively to start at shortstop as a left-handed bat, so probably against a righty. But Donovan... Who, who is not splitty, that's a nice part of Brendan Donovan because he's going to be super important to the Cardinals. As I, as I talk through this, it's like, okay, he's your backup third baseman because I don't really think they want Carpenter to go over there. Um, he's maybe your starting second baseman, but also your backup when Gorman, who is perfectly capable of playing second, he could mix in at shortstop, but he's also like a backup left fielder to Newt Bar, not in a splits way because the platoon, they're both left-handed batters, so it wouldn't really go that way. It's just like Donovan, and he's probably backup first baseman as well, even though you've got 16 million first basemen on the 40-man roster, and by signing Brandon Crawford, you just made sure that none of them are going to make this team. Like, Alec Burleson is not on this roster opening day, barring Tommy Edmonds' health. If Tommy's on the IL, Burley's on. But if he's, and, and that's maybe not even 100%, because at that point, you almost need somebody else who can play center field in a pinch. Maybe that's probably Newpar, which isn't ideal. But that's probably what they do. And Burleson would be then kind of back up at the the left field, right field, and first base spots. But the lack of efficiency on this bench is striking to me. We'll see how it plays out in real in real life. But let me know if you as a Cardinals fan kind of see where I'm coming from with that. Where it's like Carpenter can play first base and not much else. And he's a lefty bat, which also you have a, a lefty bat in the shortstop you just signed today who can basically play shortstop and not much else. And is it a good idea to have Mason Wynn moving around? I mean, I, I think he played a good amount of second base in the minors last year. That's maybe something I should check on. But at the big league level, like, do you want to try and throw more things at your rookie shortstop than you otherwise need to? He played 25, 26, 25 games at shortstop last, or pardon me, at second base last year in Memphis. 76 games at short. Like, play him at short. He's a really good defender. I think that's what they'll do, but are they? Are we going to hear tomorrow, yeah, Brandon Crawford is willing to move around and, and be sort of a utility guy, even though he never has been. His his defense at shortstop last year was negative 14 defensive run saved. I mentioned it with Thomas to JC. Here's the other angle on Brandon Donovan before I get into 
the larger Tommy Edmond conversation to sort of wrap things up here. So JC don't know if he could play shortstop, but clearly the Cardinals are going to want him to play every day. So that's probably why he's at Memphis unless there's an injury ahead in St. Louis, which is a, a good reason to get him some reps at short, because if you feel like he can do it, and I'd play him a good deal of shortstop in the minors as well, just in case, because like what, heaven forbid, what if Mason Wynn goes down or if Brandon Crawford goes down, you, you kind of have another decision to make on, on who comes up and, and how you replicate that. Because I do think the Cardinals with this Brandon Crawford move are basically saying, we want Tommy Edmond in center field. And we want it to stay that way. And having a guy like Crawford with shortstop experience, I think can effectively make it so that's possible to manage around that and to manage to keep Tommy Edmond in that one spot. We'll see if it's something that they're able to accomplish. But I mentioned it with Sejaci as to why, like, yeah, he's not going to be probably big league at, at the shortstop position. They just want him to get to play. If Donovan gets hurt and he's hitting well at AAA, there's going to be playing time for him. I say you call up Sejaci, but we may be a little bit early for, for that to be actual reality. Brendan Donovan, and I tried to ask this to Ollie Marmel today in a way that would, would kind of add to my understanding. I didn't think I quite got there, but I think it's more that can be discussed tomorrow because I do think it's interesting. For right now, Brendan Donovan's going to play second base, but he's a full go. Like, they're not being extra careful with him other than just starting him at second base is the plan, and then once he's got some reps in, eventually later on, they'll let him play some outfield in spring, probably some third base before that even. I don't know about shortstop, but again, that would have been the guy that I thought, yeah, he could probably do the shortstop thing, and you don't need to to reserve an entire roster spot for a guy who can only really play shortstop or so far has only done that and is not really a threat offensively, at least with what he was last year. That's sort of the story with Brandon Crawford. So that's where I felt like Brandon, uh, Brandon Donovan with Brandon Crawford. Uh, Crawford's a little bit redundant in that regard if Donovan can handle short, which can he do it effectively? Maybe not, but negative 14 defensive run saved is what Crawford was last year. So I can't imagine Donovan being a whole lot worse than that. A guy that, you know, we talk about gold glove caliber as a utility man. We've seen him pull in that award before. So that's kind of my thought. But if off the surgery for Donovan, which was in August, it was elbow surgery, not specifically Tommy John, but an elbow surgery, reconstructive surgery, and now he's what? Seven months removed from that, eight months removed from that, and are you going to quickly ramp him up and stress test that arm as much as it would be to like, go, yeah, you're in left today and you're at shortstop today and you're third today? Probably that's not ideal. So I think that's another reason to just, you, you do the Crawford move. You get a guy that you know can play it. Jose Fermin, not really the arm for shortstop in the big leagues, I don't think. He didn't play at all there last year in St. Louis. He is on the 40-man roster. Another kind of light-hitting infielder. Um, but Crawford brings the experience, and maybe there's a bounce back there in the bat. I don't know that there's a ton of reason to suspect there would be. But again, interesting that it's a major league deal. And here's why it's the most interesting that it's a major league deal for me is because I think of the impact that it could have on Tommy Edmond, and I think this could be the year where he doesn't have to have 72 different gloves that he brings to the ball yard and never knowing each day where he's going to play. I think Tommy Edmonds an outfielder. I think he's your center fielder, and I think he basically sticks there and doesn't ever have to play in the infield, barring an injury that throws everything into chaos, which at this point, because of the confidence with which I'm saying this, we know is an inevitability. 
But here's the way it breaks down with Tommy Edmond now that you have Brandon Crawford here. Mason Wynn needs a day off. Brandon Crawford goes in. That's the whole thing. And now Tommy Edmond just plays shortstop every day. He doesn't have to also be the backup shortstop while being the starting center fielder. Cardinals would like to see Edmund focus on the center field position so he can make it his and be great at it and go win a gold glove. That's what they want. They have expressed that verbally, publicly, all winter long, but the math wasn't mathing on this roster because you didn't have somebody who could fill in for Mason Wynn. And now you have a guy who can because he's been a big league mainstay starter for 13 years. And now, yes, he may take a reduction in role. Brandon Crawford, the ideal thing would be that he does because Mason Wynn takes the job and runs with it. And I think he's going to do that. And Brandon Crawford at that point, hey, man, you're on a big league roster. The team that you were with for 13 years picked Nick Ahmed over you, and you wanted to extend your career. So at 37, you're taking whatever major league deal you can get. You didn't have to take a minor league deal, so that's that speaks to Brandon Crawford and, and the way he's thought of across the league, or at least by the folks that were in St. Louis. And so he's on this roster, but it doesn't mean he's going to play a ton, especially if there's not room. There's got, almost got to be. Uh, tomorrow morning, we'll find out. But if there's not wiggle room for him to play another position, like second or third, it's going to be, I mean, I don't know how he finds playing time because Mason Williams should play 140 games. If he's hitting well, which I think he's going to be good enough, he's going to only get better as the career goes along. He's going to be a great threat on the bases. I think he's going to be a really, really good defensive shortstop, and that's just going to be his role. He's going to be a mainstay for the Cardinals for a long, long time at that position. Even if he's not batting at the top or in the middle of the lineup, he's going to be a. It's going to be a huge benefit to the team to have that consistency in that shortstop position solidified. I think Mason Wynn will do that. Brandon Crawford is here to pick up the pieces if Mason Wynn struggles, or just in the event that. 140, 150 games in the field for him is not in the cards. Due to injury, due to whatever. Like Brandon Crawford, if Mason Wynn goes down, Brandon Crawford probably is an everyday shortstop for the Cardinal team because they know he's done that before. And even if the production might not be incredible, they think he can manage it. And and that's probably what I would would predict we would see. And then they would have to call up and you know, for me, and a pinch would then be your shortstop or JC or whatever it would be. Donovan, and they call it Burleson because Donovan's then ready to be able to take on some reserve shortstop duties, whatever. But you'd be seeing a lot of Brandon Crawford. I think they wanted to have a guy like that so that if something would happen to win or their roster would get shaken up in whatever way, their immediate reaction isn't, oh, we'll throw Tommy there. Because that's what their reaction was last year to, hey, DeYoung's hitting pretty good. He should be in the lineup. Ah, throw Tommy somewhere else. Throw him at second base. And they did, and Edmund, if you go look at the numbers, he struggled at second base defensively last year, which makes no sense because he is a former Gold Glove Award winner at that position. But it was kind of like, and again, this is never anything that Tommy Edmund would say, would make an excuse about, would agree with, but I was comfortable saying it because I think they sort of did him dirty by telling him, or at least saying publicly, hey, he's our shortstop, we support him. Like, that was the whole reason the Cardinals didn't sign one of the big-name shortstops, right, in that free agent market. Like, we really, we believe in Tommy Edmund. Okay, Paul DeYoung hits one home run. You're like, yeah, Paul DeYoung's a shortstop for the next three months. Has to be until we trade him. It's like, okay, Tommy Edmund, all he ever did was just 
answer the bell every single time, no matter what position you put him at. And I think his defense suffered a little bit because of it, and you would never make that excuse. But I don't think it was fair to put Edmund in that spot. And then you throw him in the outfield, again, out of necessity. You tried every other player at, at, at center field, except for Dylan Carlson. Only tried him a little bit. No. But they put Edmund out there, and he's actually great. He's really, really good. He's got ridiculously good instincts for center field, despite not really playing it. And his athleticism obviously carries him very, very far because he's got speed. He's got good range. He can make athletic diving catches like he was fantastic. I know that the throwing arm is not maybe up to par of a gold glove center fielder typically, but I also think he can more than make up for that with his range and the the, the types of balls that he can get to. I think it's a huge benefit to have Edmund in center field. This is the moment where I finally am like, the Cardinals think that as well. How many B-shaped dailies have I said the Cardinals are going to be at their best if they can keep that consistent defensive alignment up the middle? Figure out two good catchers, rotate them appropriately. I think they're going to have that in Contreras and Herrera. Mason wins your shortstop, and then in second base is technically up the middle, but it's going to be Gorman Donovan. There's going to be a little bit of overlap there where it'll, where it'll be wishy-washy, but that's okay because you got to use the DH to your advantage. So like both those guys are second baseman can be, and I think will be good at it. Then you'll have one guy whose utility and moves around. That's going to be Donovan. He'll play some second. He'll play some third. He'll play some left. He'll probably play some short at various times, um, but doesn't seem like it's an overall necessity to have him do so. But he'll move around. Gorman will be planted at second. Maybe you'll see Gorman at third on occasion for Arenado, but again, Donovan should also be able to do that pending whatever else is going on with the rest of the lineup. And you feel pretty good about the way that that shakes out. But then center field, I think has to be consistent. Tommy Edmond and then the backup is Dylan Carlson. Don't be putting anybody else in there. And that includes Lars Newbar. He should play left field. If he's in the lineup, he's in left field. I would absolutely stick to that, especially until such time that we see Burleson find his way onto the roster, which he will eventually, even if it's not on opening day, because of, you know, if you have perfect health at the position player spots in Burleson's and AAA, getting every day at bats, continuing to work on the outfield, I'd play him in the outfield every single day. If he's in AAA and then Alfonso Rivas and Jared Young and all those other guys that are on the 40-man roster, they can figure out first base. Burley should never play it. If he's in AAA, he should be in the outfield every day, just like Jordan Walker last year when it was like in, in two years ago when he was trying to get his bearings of learning the position. I still think Burley is in that in that realm where it would make sense to have him in that in that role in, in the minors. So I would not move Newt Barr because I think you want it to be consistent in center field. Tommy Edmonds, your center fielder, Carlson, if he's not in there. And that's the way you roll with it. And that can help your pitching staff so very much. Guys like Miles Michaelis that are pitched to contact, they're going to be better because Tommy Edmonds out there getting more balls and he's not a day removed from playing shortstop and then having to shift mindset. And then, you know, you have a continuing revolving door at shortstop. No, it's going to be Mason Wynn. Like that can make a huge difference with the way the Cardinals are built in their starting rotation. Sonny Gray will be able to strike guys out. Lance Lynn could be a guy that strikes more guys out. We'll see about what Stephen Matz brings to the table, but we also know that 40% of this rotation, Kyle Gibson and especially Miles Michaelis, are not going to get strikeouts. They just don't. It's going to be six or seven Ks per nine, just like it's always been, especially in Michaelis' case. He's just not going to get that many strikeouts. He is going to pitch to contact. He's at his best when he's on the ground. That's going to be aided by having the same second baseman pending the DH switch with Gorman and Donovan, but those are going to be the two 
for the most part. And then Mason Wynn's going to be your shortstop. Nolan Arenado is going to be a better version of himself defensively. He's going to be what he was the second half, not the first half when he was like not doing as much side work on his ground balls because he was trying to reserve himself and, and keep himself fresh. I know that that's what it was. I think he thought that was a mistake because he played much better in the second half when he went back to his kind of more rigorous routine. And then Paul Goldsmith at first base, I think, is going to be solid. I think when you take when you remove Paul Goldsmith from that environment that was just rough last year, and he just kind of had some some lackadaisical, odd, not very Goldie-esque mistakes at first base defensively, I think he'll be sharper as well. I think everybody's going to be sharper. Iron sharpens iron, and that's going to be the way that it goes on the infield. That will help a guy like Miles Michaelis. And then fly ball pitchers, they're going to be helped out by Tommy Edmond. Hopefully a little bit better version of Jordan Walker on right field. And then Newpar playing in his ideal position. He can win a gold glove in left field. I think Lars Newpar could do that. But I think everybody just needs to kind of stay in their spot, except for the one person, which is going to be Brendan Donovan, who is a freak of nature and just nothing phases him. And he will be able to handle all the positions a la Ben Zobrist. And he'll be good at each and every one of them. That, I think, is the ideal way for the Cardinals to work. Can it really work that simply, especially when attrition and injuries start to factor in? That's a fair question because I don't think this bench can efficiently answer for some of the injuries and attrition that could take place. But that's my takeaway. I think more than anything, Brandon Crawford signing signals not just that the Cardinals aren't sure about Tommy Edmond for opening day, which is true. And the word on that is he's further along from the left side of the plate compared to the right side of the plate. Ollie Marmel said right now from the right side, he's really been more front flip drills and off the tee that sort of stuff from the right side, where I guess from the left side, he maybe has taken some more standard like coach pitch batting practice. That wasn't said specifically, but basically said like that's the next step for him as he progresses from the right side. And they want the right side to sort of catch up with the left side because he's a switch hitter, of course. And then at that point, if your coach pitch from both sides, then maybe some live BP from both sides facing pitchers on the backfields. And then you get into great fruit league games and the point at which you can do that, I think you'll probably be ready because the throwing is already happening. It's a little further along, but not 100% yet on that either. I've seen him throw from the shortstop position in drills on the backfields, which now he probably shouldn't even need to waste his time with. And I've seen him throw from center field, but like he's not letting it rip on those throws from center field or, or even from the infield diamond at this point. So throwing a little bit further behind. But if I had to guess a month from now when, when the season is getting underway, he'll be good to throw. Will he be good for live pitching in a game in terms of being able to swing the bat from both sides? That's sort of what you're waiting on. Remains to be seen. I was asked, like, what do I think? Is there really a risk of him missing? The it's a coin flip for me. It's really a toss-up right now because it could be one of those things that for three weeks we don't see him do anything and, and don't play in a game. And then we hear, yeah, he did live BP the last two days that he's going to play in a game tomorrow. In over three days, you know, weeks and weeks worth of progress we're finally getting to see the evidence of it rather than like behind the scenes. It's kind of hard to know because they're only going to tell us first of all, when we ask, you know, you get asked about him every couple days. Cause you, as reporters, you kind of feel silly if you don't make sure to keep on and asking about him, but there's really been no new information. There was no update on Tommy Edmond today. It was just Marmel was asked about him. And so he answered questions about him and, you know, tried to give as much detail or, or I guess as little detail as he want, as he could, but as much as he wanted to, um, to, to answer the questions, honestly. And so that's kind of where it's at. They don't know if he's going to be ready for the open day roster or not. Did the Crawford signing play into, or should I say it the other way? Did Edmonds health play into the, the signing of Crawford? I think 
yes, to some extent, but I also think what the Cardinals are going to tell us is that that's not what it's about. This is about getting Tommy Edmond to play center field. That's what they're going to tell us on Tuesday, if I had to guess. Are they going to acknowledge, like, yeah, there's uncertainty about Tommy's status? I think so, but I also think they're really going to push this idea of, hey, having Brandon Crawford means that Tommy doesn't ever have to play shortstop, even when he is healthy, and that's what's going to be better for our team because our defense is going to be better. Our pitchers will therefore be better, and it's a, it's it's the logic that kind of locks everything in. And that's the narrative they'll spin, but I'm here to tell you, I completely agree with the narrative. I think that's exactly a good reason to sign a guy like Brandon Crawford. I don't know if that's exactly why they did it. Maybe they are really afraid about Tommy Edmond. I guess we'll see in a number of weeks. But I also would think if Tommy Edmond is fully healthy, I don't want him to be the backup shortstop. I want him to play center field. You you can only put so much on one person. He cannot be the starting center fielder and the starting shortstop in the same day's lineup. And the, it, to me, it just would seem silly to, if he's going to play center field, to move him off just because you're you know, deciding that you need him to play shortstop. That doesn't make sense to me. The way to do it, I guess, and maybe it'll still happen. Again, it, it'll sound nice. Brandon Crawford's going to bat from the left side because he's a left-handed hitter. Tommy can do that, but he's not as good from that side. He's not as good against right-handed pitching. He's a better batter right-handed against left-handed pitching, historically. Dylan Carlson, kind of the same way as a switch hitter. So could I see a scenario where you're facing a lefty and you pile the lineup with Dylan Carlson in center field, Tommy Edmond at shortstop, and Yvonne Herrera in there at catcher with Wilson Contreras as the DH, and then your bench is basically all the lefties, right? Probably Gorman or Donovan, probably Gorman. And then in that rare circumstance, it's Mason Wynn taking off. Whereas Mason Wynn is a right-handed batter, somebody that you're going to want to have in the lineup against lefties, right? So, like, I just don't see a scenario where at full health, with Mason Wynn, Brandon Crawford, and Tommy Edmond, you're going to need Edmond to be the one that plays shortstop. Even if you're trying to fit Dylan Carlson's bat in there against lefties, along with Tommy Edmond's bat, like you're probably wanting Mason Wynn to be in there against that lefty as well. So there's there's got to be another way to do it, or it just is something that doesn't get prioritized and doesn't happen. I just don't think Tommy Edmond ends up playing shortstop right now unless there are injuries that change the the calculus, because I think the move that they made today that they're going to announce as official tomorrow is this is done so that when Tommy Edmond is healthy, which we're still believing can be by opening day, but we don't know for sure. At that point, he's our center fielder and, and he can just focus on that. That's my takeaway. I think that's the biggest thing from this Brandon Crawford move on the field. Yes, I bet the comments section is going to say, eh, doesn't really excite me because he was negative 14 defensive run saved in a 587 OPS. But Cardinals fans, let me know if you see at least the thought process of, hey, Tommy Edmond can now be the center fielder. And is that great? the greatest news that Dylan Carlson's ever heard? Maybe not. But I also think that if if the plan is to have consistency up the middle, that Tommy at least not having to go from infield to outfield. Like maybe Tommy Edmond doesn't hit as well and Carlson takes more of the time in center. That's one thing. But for Tommy Edmond to be playing basically every day, but but a quarter of the time at shortstop or 10, you know, 15, 10%, whatever it is at shortstop. I just don't think that's necessary. And I don't think you get the most out of him when you do that. I think there needs to be one utility guy. You need to have a more consistent defense because that's going to help your pitchers as well. I think the Brandon Crawford thing helps him do that, but is the bench too inefficient 
And are you bummed out that probably guys like Alec Burleson are not making this opening day roster unless somebody else goes on the IL? Like, that's an interesting spot to be in that after talking about, hey, competition in spring is a great thing. That's kind of been the theme of past years. There's not really any competition outside of this bullpen right now. And then figuring out what to do with Thompson and Libby in terms of like the sixth starter if you if you end up needing one. That's kind of about it. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is that an indifferent thing? Let me know in the comments section below what you think. And make sure to hit subscribe on this channel. You can find the subscribe button in the lower right-hand corner of this video. just think it's very interesting stuff. By the way, with it being a major league deal reportedly for Crawford, we'll have to see the Cardinals cut somebody. There's got to be a DFA that happens off that 40-man roster on Tuesday. I have a pretty good idea of who it is, but I'm not even going to go out there with the hints of the names because um, if I'm wrong, there's no sense in me putting out a guy's name that I'm going to look in the eye tomorrow and be like, yeah, sorry, I said you were you were probably cut. Um, so I have a pretty good idea who it is, but I'm not even going to go there. We can talk about it with more definition once we know the answer on Tuesday. So appreciate you guys, as always, for listening, though. That is going to do it for this edition of the show. And we will talk to you next time with likely Brandon Crawford on the roster by then. Next time on Be Shafe Daily. Peace.